a minister of the gospel. He's involved in quite a lot in ministration of the gospel of the kingdom. And therefore, I know he's a man packaged for this generation. Hallelujah. As iron sharpens iron, so a man, a man's countenance sharpens that of his friend. And I know our countenance will be sharpened. So uh, uh, brother Charles Peter Mwangi is the CEO of Rubinant uh, Real Estate uh, Valuation. It's a, it's a, uh, Rubinant Limited Real Estate Valuation Farm, which is based here in Nairobi. So you can look at this building and you can evaluate it for us. That is what Let's give him a He's also a minister of the gospel, as I've mentioned, having been involved in ministering the gospel over 20 years, uh, both at the University of Nairobi and other universities, and also at the high school. He's also um, ministering in social media. If you look at the social media, and perhaps after this, you'll be an opportunity to check him in the social media and follow him. He ministers so much, even in, in vernacular. You'll get to know which vernacular he ministers in. Uh, Brother Charles Peter Mwangi is married. He's married to one wife. He's also uh, blessed and blessed with three children. And he's a man that has shaped this generation. Amen. So as he stands in front of us, get to know that this is a, a package God, God has prepared for us Amen. for such a time as this. Hallelujah. Amen. And we don't want to do, please. Uh, let's put our hands together as we see the man of God to continue. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We can have our seats. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to be here. I thank God for the opportunity to be with my fellow men when uh, Steve called me. I'm so much used to ministering to students because that is what I do. I have ministered to students for about 20 years since I left university. I thank God because God calls us differently. Bishop uh, Peter Mara was called to ministry to start churches. In some of us, because we went to a in high school, we decided to form the ministry with the Nino We formed the ministry, fountain of hope, and we were going to high schools, basically telling our young brothers and sisters, and colleges also, that there is hope for your future. That has been uh, my prayer. That is what I have been doing. Of course, uh, the advent of social media, I got into social media, where I have been sharing the gospel. And uh, I thank God for an opportunity to stand for the purposes of God in our generation. I am reminded that only two things in life are eternal the souls of men and the word of God. And I have tied myself to that which is eternal. Praise the Lord. That if only I can minister to someone and encourage them and help them get to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm sure that their eternity is secure. That is why it gives me great joy to see Bishop, to see Steve 
men we work together with in the university, but they are still on fire for God. It gives me great joy. It is not a question of, uh, it's not just human effort. It takes God's hand and God's faithfulness for us to start. Amen? Amen. So my wife uh, and children gave me greetings. Uh, they know I'm coming here. They know Bishop very well. And uh, they sent me greetings here. I told them you cannot go with me because this is a men's meeting. And I'm trusting God we're going to have a beautiful time. Even as we explore what God would wish us to know this afternoon. And I believe that God's presence is in our midst. Since the time I came here, I can feel God's presence together with us. And I am so sure that this afternoon we shall be enlightened and we shall be encouraged through the word of God. I like chatting when I'm speaking. That is why I have come with my call. Amen. You can be sure that I'm not speaking the call. I'm just here just to write out. I have some podcasts. And you can be sure after we grow, maybe I can post it in the podcast. It can help someone else out there. Amen. So, as the Steve has said, I'm married to Grace. We have three children. Uh, the firstborn who is in form two is Elias. Then we have a guy who will be doing class eight next year, right? And my last one is in grade three. So I'm still young and I thank God for that. We celebrated our 18th anniversary on 8th of March. And uh, we thank God for the 18 years. So I can assure you, I am not here because I am not qualified. I am here because I was the one who was available. Praise the Lord. When he called me, I said I'm available. And uh, I thank God for that um, preference. So this afternoon, I just want us to briefly look into a topic that uh, I'm calling Prove Yourself. And I'm grateful because of the scripture that the bishop has led to us when the Philistines who are told them to themselves to prove themselves as men and carry it yourself so that you'll have to fight. And if you leave the whole of that scripture, that is the time when the Ark of the Covenant was actually captured and uh, they were victorious. They were victorious of the, over the Israelites because they had so big God. But uh, after that, you can be so sure they were not victorious about the Ark of the Covenant because God fought for Himself. Amen? Yes, so allow me to read uh, the scripture story that uh, has to do with the. Uh, let's go back to creation when God was creating man because uh, we cannot be men if we don't identify with our source. If you read in the book of Genesis, Chapter 1 from verse 25, this is what the word of God says. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves. Now that is from verse 25 up to verse 28. So 
we get to know what was the source of man. And this is very important because it is the source that gives us our identity. And as Bishop has said, there are so many things that men try to identify themselves with in the times we are living in. There are people who try to do something so that they can be men enough. And I know you have heard of that phrase, are you a man enough? And especially for our students, for our children when they go to high school and they want to be introduced to some habits, the question is, are you a man enough? Because that is where they believe if you are man enough, you should put your heart into drugs. Yeah, you should start molesting girls for you to be a man enough. That is the question they are asked. Are you a man enough? And this is not strange or this is not new. Because the identity of man is something that has always been challenged ever since man was created. And let me also let you know that even our Lord Jesus, his identity as a man was also challenged. God created man in his image. Therefore, his identity can only be found or tied to God. He created him special so that he does not have to compare himself with anything else in the whole of creation and can only derive his identity from God alone. Are you a man enough? A question that is familiar in our generation and makes many men feel incomplete without having to do something. Man derives his identity from God and not from beings. Jesus Christ was also tempted on the question of identity. Remember after his baptism in River Jordan, there was a voice that was heard. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So he was identified with God. But immediately after the fourth day of fasting, a uh, question comes, if you are surely the Son of God, it is like it was not complete what God had said about Jesus. It is like it is not complete what God has said about you. If you are the Son of God, why don't you turn these stones into blood? And there are so many stones in our days that the enemy will move us to turn into bread. So the question is, we are not what we are able to do. We are not men because of what we are able to do or what we don't do. You know, many want to get their identity from their profession, from the things they do. Who are you? I am an engineer. I am a valuer. I am so and so. We try to look for titles to identify ourselves. But Jesus said, it's not that I am not able to do it, but I will not do it because I am not defined by what I am able to do. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. Yes, I can do it, but that does not define me. Whether I'm able to do it or not, that does not define me. Whether I failed in my engineering course or not, that does not define me. Whether I failed in that interview or not, that does not define me. Our identity is not in what we are able to do or what we are not able to do. Praise the Lord. Of course, the second question comes, then if you are the son of God, eh, why don't you throw yourself from this high tower? People will see it and they will believe it. And Jesus responded and said, it's not a question of what people say. I'm not here 
for sure. It is not a question of my ability. I am not defined by how many followers I have on Twitter or how many friends I have on Facebook. I am not defined by what people think about me. You know, if Jesus was able to throw himself, then people would see that he has not dead, he has not died, and people would have believed this is the Son of God. But Jesus was able to see the deception of the enemy. I am not defined by what people say about me. How many of us have our ego clashed? Ain't that because of what people have said about us? Maybe you tried something and you failed, and today you have never forgiven yourself because people think you are not a man enough. We are not defined by the labels that people give us. Praise the Lord. We are what God says we are. If God says we are men, we are the sons of God, then we are. Why don't you bow down and worship me and I will give you all this at least when you have something to your name. People will believe you are the son of God. That was the test. And Jesus was able to say, light it to it. We are not defined by our possessions. We are not defined by the things we have or the things we don't have. You are not a man because of your bank account. You are not a man because of how many plots of land or buildings you have. You are not defined by those things. Jesus was able to see the, the, the lie of the enemy where he wanted him to like his name because of the possessions. All these things have been given to me and I will give you. Remember Jesus did not query whether they have been given to him or not. He just said, do not test the Lord your God. The giving here is your identity is not based on what you have or what you don't have. You are not defined by the car you drive. You are still a man. Praise the Lord. Even if you don't have a home like Jesus said, I am hopeless. Foxes have holes. And back to the I have left, but I have nowhere to lay my head. I am still the son of God. Praise the Lord. I am still a man because I am not defined by the things that are out there. So it is very important for us to make it strong and successful in this life. We must know our identity. That our identity is found in God. In the image of God, He created. We are created in the image of God. We are not what we do. We are not what we are able to do or we cannot do. We are not defined by what people say about us. And we are not defined by what we have. It is not the appearance of our possessions that define us. We are what God says we are. We must validate ourselves on the basis of God says about us and not what people say. We should never be bothered by the opinion of the world about us, nor lose our sense of self-worth when we fail to measure up to the world's standards. It takes security in knowing that God has accepted you never to worry about the rejection of men. Praise the Lord. As long as you are careful about what people are saying about you, what are they thinking about us? No, I was speaking somewhere where they were saying. At the age of 20, everybody is bothered. What are people saying about me? What is so and so saying about me? At the age of 40, because now when you have tested right, you don't care what people say about, about you. You will do your thing. And then you 
have no problem what people will say about you. When you are 60 years, you actually realize nobody cares anything about you. Have no, you know, people have their own so many problems to say or even to be anything about you. Let us not live our life bothered or wondering what people are saying about us. So, point number one is that our identity is tied to God. And whether you have or you don't, whether whichever ethic you say, what people say about you, no, no matter what they say about you, your identity is tied to God. And God sees you as the man that he created in his own image. I like a scripture in the book of First Kings. It is very similar to what Bishop has led to us. First Kings chapter 2 from verse 1 to 3. This is what it says. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and whenever you go. This was David advising his son Solomon, who had succeeded in the scheme before he died. There are so many things he would have told him. He would have told him about his conquest of Goliath. He would have told him about the many battles he had fought and he had won. How he was able to kill a hundred Philistines and get their first in. He would have told him all that. But in his church, in encouraging him to be a man, he told him you cannot be a man apart from God. Praise the Lord. You can never be a man enough. He is telling be strong and act like a man. Observe what the Lord your God requires. That is the only way you can be a man. You can be a man if you observe what God requires of you. And I want to say that God never created man to act independent of him. We were created to be dependent on God. We were created to live life with God, to walk with God in all the crises we face. In all the decisions that we make in life, God never created you to go through it alone. He created you that you may be able to walk with Him. That is why He is saying, Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to Him. Keep His decrees and commands. And in doing this, this is the only route to your prosperity. This is the only way you can be prosperous in the things that you do. So only in God can we prove ourselves as true men by seeking to honor God and seeking to obey Him. Let me also say that man's role was crafted from the beginning. There are roles that God crafted for man when He was creating them. God created man with an idea of what man will do. First of all, He created man and placed him in a garden to work intended. So work is part of God's idea. And we are going to look directly into that. The next thing is that God created man to exercise dominion. That feeling you have that you want to be in control. It is important. It was there in creation. Because God created man to exercise dominion. He created you to exercise dominion over creation. 
You see, even when man is naming the animals, which is part of exercising dominion, God agreed with him. And whatever name he gave, that name stood. And that is why I encourage men, especially at the beginning of the year. It is okay to give a vision to your family. This year is the year of our prosperity. Because whatever name had I gave the animals, God said, it was so. God has given you that dominion. When you say, my family will be like that, even heaven and this with you, because God has given you that dominion. We have been given dominion over the things that we face in this life. We were created with a divine assignment to do. I like what the scripture says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I don't know what you do. I don't know the work you do on a day-to-day basis. But let me tell you that when God created you, he was not in a crisis of what to do with you. The scripture says that he had some work prepared for you beforehand that you should be able to do it. God was not in crisis. Steve has come. What are we going to do with him? God already knew what role Steve will accomplish on earth. He already knew what he decided for you to do. And let me tell you, our role on earth is towards God. Open my eyes that I may understand for what purpose. You made me to be. You are going to touch lives that Charles cannot touch. You are going to touch lives that Bishop cannot touch because the environment of where God has placed you, the resources He has given you, the places He has taken you, you are going to touch lives that none of us can be able to touch. You have a specific role that God designed for you to do. Praise the Lord. And other words, prosperity every day when we wake up in the morning, God opens. What is it that you want me to do? Blessed is the man who understands the purpose behind why they were born or why they were created. I'm going to discuss three laws that God expects of us, and I will be done. I promise you, I'm not going to take long. So, there are three laws that God expects of us as men or God has reserved for us to do. Law number one is God has created man as a leader or there is what I would call the kingly law. Of course kingly law means to provide leadership, to govern and to protect. God has endowed you with dominion so that you can be able to lead your family, to provide, to protect and to love them. That dominion recruits the ability to work. Remember what he told Adam. This was told to Adam not to eat from the sweat of your blood. You shall eat, you shall eat your bread. In other words, there is that law that God has given us to work and be able to provide for our families. The second law that God has for us is that we have what I would call a priestly role. We have the role of a priest. We are God's representative in the family who stands with the family on matters God. We pray for the family and we bring God into our family. We provide spiritual leadership and direction to our families. 
That is rule number two. And that rule is you're supposed to be a prophet. The prophetic law in your family. That is to shape your family by providing guidance so that you can live a godly legacy. That is why God has given you a prophetic law. Allow me to give a disclaimer before we look at each and every of these laws. It's supposed to be a coalition. And I know in Kenya we know about coalition. And the coalition government. It is not you alone. As I have said, it is man and God, not man and God. So it is you. You cannot do it on your own. You can do it with the help of God. It is important to know that God did not create man to exercise his role independent of him. Nothing in all that a man does eliminates the praise for God. The scripture says we are co-workers together with him. And so in whatever we do, as we pray our manly lords, God must be involved. Man's job is to turn back to God who alone can enable him carry his role successfully. Nothing we do in our own effort will amount to anything unless we involve God. God has given us these roles, but in no way has not divested himself. He has not made us some semi-gods that you are an independent God. No. We cannot succeed in the roles that we have been called to do without God's help. And of course, without God and also realizing, and especially for us, for, for those of us who are married, that God has also given us another helper to be together with us. So some of these roles, you cannot be able to do them alone. You need to inform God. And in many instances, you might you also need to discuss them with your with your helper that the Lord has given you. Let's look at what I would call man, man's kingly law. And this I have said that the kingly law includes protection, there is provision, and there is a lot that a man has been called to do for his family. If I would read the scripture in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, all these scriptures. So 1 Timothy 5 and verse 8, it says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than unbeliever. So our role number one is men, is we must be able to provide for our family. In provision, I also understand the times we are living in. I know we are living in difficult times. I am an employer. If I look at my files, the people that are asking for jobs, there are so many. So I also know that we are living in a state of joblessness. But I have always known that God is faithful, especially for men who try to exert themselves. You don't sit down and uh, agree to defeat. Hakuna kazi, I am defeated. When I finished university, that was during the more era, I don't know, maybe my brother's team was, uh, was lucky to get a job. It was not very easy during our times to get a job. But God reminded me that he is a God of justice. He told me, look for work, don't look for a job. Work is something that you are, you are involved, at least you are not idle. I worked for the first six months when I left university for free and I was prepared to go on for as long as it took. Because I realized it is very expensive being idle. 
Sitting down without doing anything was very ideal. That's what I realized. You have to eat. You know when you are pieces of times, you don't even realize that time you are bitter. Eh? Because you were occupied. You were involved. I worked for six months. And I remember God reminding me about the Israelites. They worked as slaves for 430 years, but I never allowed them to leave Egypt empty-handed. God rewards job. God rewards work. You know, the mentality today is I must get a job where I am paid. But let me tell you, I worked for the first six months without a pay, and now when I got a job where I was being paid, I was able to overtake all my colleagues. Because God, in one way or another, I remember I took a job within no time, I bought shares in that particular company, and became a director. God was able to launch me above my colleagues. Praise the Lord. I know. Let me tell you that if you pray and you trust God, where you can volunteer. Actually, I was not employed by the person I was working for free. But I remember I received a call and I was told, Charles, you know you are this and this and this other place. Uh, there is an opening come, you know, come into this particular company. I was recommended by someone else. In one way or another, God was able to defend me. The only thing I know is that if a man of God acting in the will of God goes out there, God in his faithfulness will not allow you to go home and jam it. Praise the Lord. It's all a question of are you willing to involve God in what you are doing? I have advised many students in the same way when you finish school, go out there, look for something you can be able to do. I have employed the people in my organization who came there for attachment, not necessarily because they wanted a job, but I was able to see their guilty when they came for attachment and I gave them a job. And I know we are living in a culture where men are being contented, being supported by their spouses. Wewe kwa nyumba una shida siku nzima kwa nyumba, unawash two TV, mke anakuja jioni. Let me tell you that in one way or another will make you lose your authority as a man. You must go out there. Let me tell you, there is a God who provides a way for men when they reach the end of themselves. There is a God who provides a way for them. God miraculously creates a way for you. Because it is not the will of God that men will be sustained by their wives. The wife, what does the Bible call the wife? A helper suitable for him. They're supposed to come and help. Not to come and take our responsibility away. Not to come and take our... God has designed that we shall lead our family. That includes even economically. And God in his own way, he is able to open doors for us. I know we are living in difficult times. Sometimes it may call for you to start a business. And I have seen men, I remember a pastor friend of mine from Dika. And... Uh, during our university, you know those are the times of uh, constitutional reforms. Sometimes there is a strike to Namunga to find that money. During those times, I told him, why don't we start something here? And uh, we started uh, at yours. Remember, I used to go to Makongene, Rika, Kutukua, Masukuma, and all that. The last time I visited Rika, he relocated to the US. But with the time, that kiosk, because I remember the first day, men of God too. You go, you are not to the oil, you pray and you trust God. And let me tell you there is power in your prayer. Because that kiosk in Yetulianza, it became a supermarket. Something small. And that is why God tells you, don't never mind starting.
starting small. Never mind starting small. God has promised in His word, I will bless the work of your hearts. Your work, your hands must have something that they are doing that God can bless. Never agree in your life to be able Do something and leave it to God to bless. I have seen God tremendously changing things during Corona time last year. Of course, we were talking with the bishop. Many companies were affected and they closed. I remember I told my team, I think, Marco remember what I am going to do, I am just going to alter your report in time, but we are not going to cross. And we told God we will depend on you. Then something miraculous happened. People would go to our competitors on a Twitter combo. Then they would come to our office. We are open and we are able to do services for them. Throughout the whole corona period, of course, we observed social distancing. I was able to adjust the time for my staff members so that they are not affected by the curfew. But I still remember one man in our little dear party who stood and said, I have seen God's faithfulness. That we never missed our salary. We never missed what to do because God has promised to bless the work of our heart. When we give it the avenue of something to bless, He blesses it. God is asking you a question today. What can I bless? I know Akuna Kazi. You know, you have tried this, you have tried this. But what is it? Don't give up. Perhaps what you are learning here, you know, man, you should not give up. When you start something, you should not quit. Always have the same power. And the key thing is, what is it that you are trying? It may not be perfect, but God can bless. Anytime God came across a man in the Bible, the question has always been one. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? For Moses it was a what? It was a stick and that literally that is what he used. God will reuse what you have. And I also like talking to my brothers who did not have the privilege. class eight. Let me tell you, that does not in any way disadvantage you. Because God will reuse what you have. And I have seen Brothers, you know, people who just started you know, when you pick a class 8. I know one case, although this one is not a brother, it was an Indian. Somebody requires to come back a class 8. But today she is doing business in South Africa because she started with something small. I remember I met that lady in the lift. In our, and she came and told me, You look like someone who can employ someone. You come on here, what is the issue? Oh, I am working in this building on the 20th floor. Now, my new class is only paying me 5,000. It is difficult for me. Can you help me? I do not give her a job, but I give her a business idea. No, start to start with something online. With the time of Yashara Ikakua, a cancer product Kampara Kutukua Maguo, with the time she started going to Take, Dubai, now she's married in South Africa. Because God honors small beginnings. What small beginning can you start today? Nikitugani kido. You know somebody told me everything in life starts down upwards. Kila kitu katika maisha everything in life starts down upwards. Nasa kidogo inakuwa. The only thing that starts up down upwards is only one. That is the grave. Diotonajiba ikerekea chini. Everything else God has designed just to start small. Praise the Lord. What is the small thing? My brother Noel, I'm happy to see you, right? <laughs> what is the small thing that you can start today and God in this world way can grow it and it will multiply it? You must start something because God has promised to press the work of our hearts. 
Of course, it is the role of a man together with his helper to see to the advancement and the well-being of the family. We have to protect the family and do all it takes for the family to start. Yes, and uh, of course, as we have read, the scripture makes it clear that a man who does not provide for his family is worse than an unbeliever. God has promised to give us power to create wealth. So, we, we must do something. We must have something that we are doing in our hands that God is able to bless. We should trust God for our children. I know many of us, we have this cry, God, what about our children? And many of the time, instead of taking it as an opportunity, we make it a point of complaining to God. Oh, I like reminding people that the Israelites, when they saw the children as a problem, rather than an opportunity. You remember when they reached the border of the promised land and they sent the spies? They came and they told them the difficulties that were in the promised land. They started crying to God about their children. You are thinking as there so that our children can be taken captives, can become slaves. And God asked them, you don't think I am able to take care of these children? You know, many of us are crying to God because of our children. Our children, let me tell you that God gave you those children, and when He gave you those children, anything your child will require, He also released. When God gives a vision, He sends provisions ahead. Our wife in Koba Mungwa Kukwemajo, so that we can be able to see the provisions we require for those particular children as we work and even as we wait on God. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we bring a curse on ourselves. You know what God told them? All of you will die. But these children you are crying about, I will bring them to the promised land. God is able to lace your children even without you. You should not see your children as a problem. It is an opportunity for God to bless you. This morning I was reading something from uh, one of the brothers who used to be together in the university. And I like the usage he gave. He said that God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemy. So when you see the enemy, just know a table is nearby. Because when the enemy shows up, God now prepares a table in the presence of your heart, of your enemies. When you see your children, don't see challenges in providing for them. They are poor salvation and, 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 and all that. I did not have a father. I was raised by my grandmother. Everybody in our village thought of Charles who would become a chokora. It was very difficult for me. I normally tell people, I drank tea for the first time when I went to high school. And I was so excited I went to the Headmaster Today I want tea without coffee. So, you know, I wanted coffee, but I did not know how to express myself. And I still remember the slap I received. So the key thing here is, I was raised. I did not know what the future held for me. But somehow, through divine provision, providence came my way. God was able to support me. In the university, I remember when I was in second year, I met a brother, he asked me, Charles, did they agree to help for help? How are you going to survive? And I remember I told him, my father knows what he will do for me. Those who are together in university, remember that is the year I also went to Israel. God provided more than, apparently, more than I could imagine or even think about. Because it is not our power, it is not our ability. We are, even if you forget anything else, I want you to remember you are a covenant child. You are a covenant child. And God has made a covenant never to leave you, not to forsake you. Praise the Lord.
But the key thing is, it's divine collaboration. You must do something. When God says you will bless the work of our hand, Tafadani usikai nyobani, toka uko ije. Many other times I tell my people, don't stay in the office because I'm going to put a kazi. Go out there. They always come with the miracles. How they met with God. Because many of us say we are waiting on God. God is reaching on us to take a step of faith. Akutana us. Praise the Lord. What is God telling you to do? What you have that God can bless. We also have a role, especially in loving our spouses. Remember, the only area where Christ is compared to a husband is husbands. Love your wife is Christ loved the church. So we have a responsibility of providing the kingly law by loving our spouses. And you can leave that in your free time in the book of Ephesians. Or let me just leave it now that I have it here. Ephesians 5 from verse 25 to 33. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Let me read there. God has called you to be a lover and an inspiration to the family. Let me say that to love your wife and to teach your children how women should be treated is a primary responsibility that God has for us. The greatest love a man can show his children is by loving your mother. Remember, children are observing how you treat your wife. And I can tell you that that is exactly most. I can assure you that their relationship with their spouses is going to be determined by how they see you treating their mother. We have a responsibility now that Christ has loved us for himself. And we are being told to love our spouses as Christ has loved us. We have a responsibility, my brothers, to make sure that as long as God has given us spouses, we have a responsibility to love them. And I like to say, love is a command. You know, it's not an option that God has given us, it is a command. Sometimes we feel like, sometimes we don't feel like God has not tell you to love the lovable. Or not, you know, whether they qualify or not, God has commanded us to live our to, to love our spouse. And, and I know this is an area where there are so many questions that can come up. Sometimes they don't respect us, sometimes they don't behave in a way that they can be loved. But let me tell you, that is also how we are. How many of us can tell me that God loves us because we are good? God loves us the way we are. And that is the greatest test that we have. That is why a man of God, God Hosea, was told to go and marry a prostitute. God was not punishing him. He wanted to feel what it means to love. Like Christ loved the church. Sometimes they betray you, but you have a responsibility to love them. No matter what it takes, God is commanding us. It is not optional. God is commanding us to love our lives. To, to, love, to love our wives. And do whatever it is to create an atmosphere of love. In the family, the greatest love you can give your children is to love their mother. 
Children will always remember you for the way you treated their mother. This includes loving them even when they are unlovable. Because loving our spouses is a command. Of course, we also, we also then provide security in this part of our kingly Lord. Of course, we know God is our ultimate protector. And just as the responsibility of a king to safeguard his kingdom, God mandates men to protect their families. We have a responsibility to protect our wives and fight for them. You know, a wife feeling insecure, either because you said in your in-laws, and you know that is the case that I've been having. Where many times you want to stand with you, you, you want to side with your in-laws. The moment you get married, what does the scripture say? A man shall leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and the two shall become one. That living means no matter what happens. And I know sometimes they are wrong, but we have a responsibility to stand with our spouses and to provide security if they feel threatened. Let me tell you, that is one thing that can destroy your marriage. When you commit yourself to get married, you commit yourself to stand with your wife no matter what it takes. I had an age planner who used to stay. <laughs> you know, when you go working at house, you know, when they're coming to my place, one of the key things that you just have to be so, so, so careful is how you treat his wife. Because they know no matter what happens, I will always protect my wife. I took her from the Father. I promised before the Father and before God that I will protect her. You have a responsibility. Before God. But key, and one of the chief is how did you handle your wife? Did you take care of your wife? That, that is one of the things, and I, it's my prayer that all of us shall present our wives and maybe our children before God as people we protected. And we took care of. We have a responsibility for the married men to protect our wives. That includes protecting them from competitors. I know sometimes we work with other ladies in our offices and that there are issues of mistrust that comes in. No matter what happens, let your wife feel safe with you. What does it do? Yeah, let your wife feel safe. Let your wife know that if anything happens to you, because they are safe and they are protected. We have a responsibility to protect our spouses. A woman should feel protected because you are there. You can, like Jesus, risk your life for your spouse and your children. Women and children must feel they are covered and there is a wall of protection around the family. Let me tell you, they don't behave the same when you're not at home. My wife tells me when I am not there, before they sleep, they have to keep on checking whether the door is locked. But when you are there, they don't care. Because you are a protective car. You provide that security. Do your family see, feel safe when you are there? What are you like? You know when some of us who are being raised, and I know of me, but they don't feel safe. And let me tell you that that is a trauma that children never forget. We have people today, I was talking to one of my auditors the other day, no, it was very difficult even for her to forgive the father because she still remembers how the father treated them. Let me, there some things we do, and we can do them in a moment of anger, but they get embedded in the mind of our children and they will never forget. Who comes there now? 
kuvuka vile ulikuwa unatesa mama yako mama yao Yuko ndani unasikia mama ametoka anaenda Nairobi anaenda kutembelea watoto unacho peke yako au anakuja nyumbani yote stop usikoka tuvee wanapea mzee kitu wanapea mama kitu lakini wewe wanakuambia mungu akupeleke because they still remember they still and of course remember what the bible says what you saw is what you and that is why no matter what happens let me tell you there is nothing as good as knowing that you did your part and i like saying that do your part when that time comes god in his own way will protect you he will preserve and you fight for you do what you have to do but don't you don't plant a bad seed because unfortunately one day the soul the the the, the, the living time will come christ said for us an example by dying for the church Men should also love their wives to an extent that they are willing to sacrifice their lives for them. I mean, counseling a friend of mine, unfortunately, who are going through a very difficult family time. The wife, I think, got sick, and unfortunately, it's good to realize that sometimes yeah, they get sick and they act in one way or another. Not what you would expect. And I've been talking to this brother. I told them, first of all, you committed before God and before man. That you love this lady. I know she's not lovable. She has even been insulting her. Where you wanna open up and wanna those things? And I'm like, what kind of a what kind of a man is this? But I, I was encouraging this brother. God still charges you to love, to love her. Love somehow provides protection. Even if you love me when I am unlovable, I still feel safe together with you. And the question I ask you. If your wife today changes from the person you know her to be, would, still, would she still feel safe with you? Are you going to leave that house looking for someone else? Because if people become sick, things happen, they change their mind. Of course, you know, with all these cycles they go through, there are things that happen. And some of them are medical. Would you just run away from them? Or can you stand for them? Because also speaking to our brothers who are not married, when you are given yourself to get married, it is a commitment for life, for us, for poor, for good or for, for us, for little, for poor, you stand with this person. Because it is a commitment to make before God. And one thing I have noted, and I like telling people, when I got married, my child required a hustle. I really had money. Allow me to put it that way. I was always struggling, struggling. I don't know what happened when I got married. I only know what the scripture says. He who gets a wife gets a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Because I can share that I think my financial stability came when I got married. I don't know what happened. But I know there is a special blessing that God commands in marriage. There is a special blessing that God commands in marriage. I know we are mixed. So allow me not to dwell there so much. So does your family feel secure to have you allowed? This security is not only physical, but also spiritual. What movies do you allow your children to watch? That is very important. Because I know we have internet, we have television. Do you watch everything? Do you watch everything? Sometimes you have to sacrifice for the sake of your children. Because unfortunately the movies, the cartoons, or the things they are watching will affect them in one way or another. Remember, you are not only the teacher. The TV is also there as a teacher. So you also have a responsibility to protect them from that. Are you willing to protect them? Not only from the bullies in school,
good, but from the demonic forest that are coming from TVs, from cartoons, and from movies. So populous. You're watching them as a family. I'm not saying you are a sinner, you <laughs> know that. But I'm saying we have a responsibility to protect our children. We have a responsibility. You give them your phone. What kind of things do they see in your phone? And remember, it's busy what you do. I did it on Twitter. We have a responsibility to protect them. Our Lord is a priest. We have a Lord as a priest. That's rule number two. Allow me to read Genesis chapter 18 from verse 17 to 19. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. We may have so many reasons as to why God chose Abraham. But when I read this scripture, I find something unique that God saw in Abraham a man who will pray the priestly law. God knew that as long as I have Abraham, his children and the children after him will be taught the ways of the Lord. We have a responsibility to act like priests in our family. And that is to bring God in our family. God knew that Abraham will not fail him. And that is why even future generations, he would introduce himself, I am the God of Abraham. And I like asking fathers, I like asking parents, when you are long gone, and your children or your grandchildren will be there. Is it possible for them to call God and say, God of my father? Are they seeing God in you? When they don't have confidence to stand on themselves, is it possible for them to stand and say, God of my father, Steve, God of my father, Peter, God of my father, because they were able to observe and see how you walk with God. Are you praying the priestly law? in your family? Are you standing for God in your family? Are you instructing your children in the ways of God? It is a God-given responsibility that we as men should draw our family closer to God. Part of God's love and choice for Abraham was based on the fact that God knew Abraham would direct his family towards him. Placing God-fearing families is one of man's principal responsibility. We are not asked to save them, but to play our role in showing them the vanity of life without God. Some will hear, some will disobey, but we must do our part when we have the power. This is not so much into telling them, but also in showing them. Let me tell you that kids rarely hear what you tell them, they observe what you do. You can tell them to pray, but you pray. That is the power of praying together as a family. That is the power of reading the word of God together as a family. Don't tell your kid when he is going to school, to high school, for that matter, the power of you know, praying in the morning, morning devotion. Let me tell you that if you wake up in the morning in your family and you are crying to God, and your children are not pretending to be asleep, they can hear you. That is a voice you will never miss. 
their life. They will always remember how their father used to wake up early in the morning to pray. Praise the Lord. My children was, was fallen. I thank God I still have small one. Even today, I told God I never want my children to go to bed before I pray for them. That is a commitment I made. I want to be there to pray for them. In the morning, I have to wake up early before they leave and pray for them. I want to be involved in their lives. I don't know for how long I will be with them, but if there is anything, I want them to remember their father. It's a father who used to cry to God for them. How often do you pray for your children? Do you know the prayers of a family are very powerful? And this one I have realized. When something is so difficult for me, I just go to my wife and I tell her, let's hold hands together. And over 100% of the times we have prayed with my wife for something, it has happened. Because where there is that family unity, the Lord commands a blessing. How often do you pray for your wife? Let me tell you that, and uh, I'm saying this with a lot of respect for Bishop, eh? your prayers over your wife, they actually have much more power than the prayer of a pastor or a bishop because you are an authority of her. You are one of the direct authorities of her. And that is why it is important. Pray that priest to the Lord. It is okay. If you be a bishop, the bishop is a man That is okay. But let me tell you, even before bishop comes, Praise the Lord. Because you have a responsibility to pray the priestly law over your family. Abraham, wife was barren. Yeah, Isaac, wife was barren. What did he do? He went to inquire of the Lord. He went to inquire of the Lord. Hakuna because God came. I don't know what kind of barrenness you could be going through as a family, but God expects you to pray the priestly law and pray. Join hands with your wife, join hands with your children. Sometimes when I'm not feeling well, and they didn't like it, telling my children, we get them again, God, they didn't like it to pray for me. Let me tell you somehow it works. Teach your children to be priests because you are the priest in your family. One day they shall be priests. A man's prayer for his wife means so much. How often do you hold hands together to pray? What legacy will your children remember about you when you are not there? Will we ever cry to God in prayer because they saw how you stood for God in your generation? And uh, before I end this priestly law, allow me also to read Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of your Lord. That scripture, you can read the whole of that chapter. One thing I got from Malachi is that God's primary reason for marriage is because he wants to raise a godly generation. And a godly generation can only be raised if men are willing to pray the priestly law in their families. Do you normally have family orders? One of the things that happens in our family every Sunday, lazima kila mtu jioni ya sembele, kile kitu walisikia kanisa? Kanisa. And before we end the day, we have to read the scripture and we have to pray together. Do you normally have family orders? 
time to pray together. Let me tell you, it is very hard for you to sleep. Andre, these are some of the habits that you remember. Then sometimes I come home and 